Good morning. If you're here for the first time, it's great to have you. And um, before I got to the door last time I preached, I'd been reminded by everybody who went to Gray College, Menlo Park and Gosfontein, that I'd left them out. I'm so sorry I hurt your feelings. I know people from Gray are particularly sensitive about their school. But when I leave you out, I do it on purpose. And I will keep doing it on purpose until you realize that being left out is one of the great gifts of God. Because you're not the center of your own world. And the fact that I chose Waterkloof over Afis, I know it irritates the snot out of you. But I'm going to keep choosing it. Just to irritate you. Because you realize that somebody said to me, I don't like you. I said, why? It's because you don't like dogs. So I said, seriously, that's the point. We can have people in the same church who like dogs and who don't like dogs. The idea is that we are so different, we have different educations, we have different upbringings, we've got different tastes, and the beauty of the church is that we're all together because of Jesus. So when you feel left out or offended, just go to Jesus, smash the mirror, stop looking at yourself and honor God. It's much easier. And then when my job's done, I'll leave. But I'm on, I've got a bullseye on Uffies at the moment. I feel like they deserve it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. It must be the Vartacliff headmaster. <laughs> Friends, we are not the center of our own world. We are not the center of our own world. But you know the amazing thing is somebody said, what about Menlo Park and what about Hassunt? And I thought... Do you Pretoria people know the value and the quality of the education that you have been afforded for the last 50 years? Do you know that? This this city has got the best schools in the country. And most of you had the privilege of going to them. Offies Macy's, Pretoria Girls High. These are, and, and as I started thinking about it, I just became overwhelmed with the privilege of my life. And the privilege of your life. And if you really don't think I understand Romans 9, 10, and 11, as so many people have come to me and said, don't you understand it? I said, no, actually I do. It's my job. But one of the most incredible things about Romans 9, 10, and 11 is it's about privilege that people had, but they never saw. And you and I have got so many privileges in our life that we are completely unaware of. I spoke to Suzanne Owen last week. Just come and tell us for two minutes, Susan. Susan? About your granny. Yeah. Yeah, your granny. Just tell us, just, just for two minutes about your granny. Okay. <laughs> she was the most significant person in my life. Um, she was filled with God's spirit, outward focused always reaching out to the people around her and I was lucky to be sent off to her for a holiday when I was six years old and the first question she asked me that afternoon when she sat me down with tea was do you belong to Jesus and I realized I said well I know about Jesus but I'm not sure if I belong to him and that day she led me to the Lord but that was not the end. She just discipled me and she, she took me under her wing and she taught me 
um, the ways of God, his word, to be filled with his spirit, to love his word. And she set an example to me of, um, yo, I think I have the greatest example of living the life of Christ on this earth. She sacrificed. She always thought of others more than herself. Um, and she was the most generous person. She had so little, but she was so ready to give it all away. In, in a drop of a hat, if God would ask her, she would do it. And even when we would take her to a restaurant, she would memorize the waitress's name. And at the end, she will, many times, she will ask her on the name, do you know Jesus? Because he loves you. She never let a moment pass um, to speak of Jesus. She walked in town with, with little pamphlets <laughs> in different languages. And she would just hand them out to people at the till at Wirko in Ermelo. And um, she knew many people on the name. And she made friends in restaurants, took addresses wrote letters, like letters of Paul. We have some, me and Robert, where she just encouraged us to keep on loving one another, to keep on fighting for our marriage, to keep on seeking the kingdom of God first, above anything else, and his righteousness, and to know that God will do the rest. And yes, and she lived a life, and she lived till 103 years old. And the last words were just blessing. She always spoke Jesus. She spoke blessing. When someone enters the room, she would ne that person will never leave without her speaking a blessing over her. So the, all the words she spoke over my life were just blessing and blessing and blessing. And, and I'm living in it. And today I sit with my mom in church visiting from Tweede Vierde. And when we worshipped, I just felt... My granny is, she knows, she's in the cloud of witnesses today and cheering us on. Beautiful. So you can actually live with unbelievable privilege around you and not see it. This week I've just absolutely marveled in my eyesight. I have to use glasses for close, but I've got far vision, and I've just seen the most magnificent things. And I've seen people, and I've seen our, our country, and I've seen our city, and I've seen the rainbows over our city. I thought, Lord God, you've given me perfect sight. Many people think I'm here because I had an amazing dad who believed in me. I believe I'm here because I had an amazing mum who prayed for me. And as far as I can remember back, probably to the age of four or five, which is nearly 50 years ago, every single day, every single day, my mum did daily devotions. She used to get a little book called Faithful Daily Living. She would read that book. She would read the portions of the scripture. She would write down in her journal, and then she would pray. If you're watching this, mum, as you always do on a Sunday, I want to say thank you for praying for me. I don't want to take for granted your prayers over my life. And if you're sitting here and you have a granny or a grandpa or a mother or a brother or a sister or a friend who prays for you, that's a privilege. That's an unbelievable privilege. And if you went to Afis or Menlo or Gasfontein, that is an unbelievable privilege. 
You have had some of the best education that anybody could ever receive. And you've got to do something with that privilege. Instead of being competitive and trying to be better than, you've got to say, this is a launching pad for me to do something significant with my life. I was thinking about the church that I grew up in, and sometimes I joke about the smoking handbags. The smoking handbags, friends, is a picture of incense of both my prayers and the offering of Christ that went before God. And although it was caught up with religious rhetoric, it still presented a picture of Christ. And some of those prayers, we do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, but trusting in our own righteousness. We do not deserve to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord whose nature is always to have mercy. I could just speak it off back, but if I sit back and I think about it, it is pure deep theology which invites me to the table of God's grace. And so sometimes, friend, we get caught up with a bitterness around the religious rhetoric in which we grew up in, but inside there was the picture of Christ if we actually think about it. I want us in a world which is unbelievably negative just to think today about the privileges of our life. The unbelievable privilege of friendship, the privilege of what we're seeing taking place in the life of the church, the privilege of a father and a son coming together. You can't take it for granted. There are many broken relationships and we get to see front row seats, a father and a son coming together. We've got to do something with that. You've got to go and speak to that young man and say, Eugene, who made the first step, you or your dad? Did your dad step to you or did you step to your dad? How did you do it? Did you say sorry? Did you repent? Did you receive forgiveness? Did you give forgiveness? I want us just to, to listen to a song about a lady singing about her church. And maybe we can say thank God for Doxa. And I know some have left here and gone to Doxa, but some have left Doxa and come here. And in Doxa, you learnt about Jesus. And in Gheer Moraleta, you learnt about Jesus. And in Leven de Voort, you learnt about Jesus. And we're not, we should not be standing here comparing any church with one another. We should be thankful for the privilege of learning about Christ. So let's just listen to this song. Georgia with a steeple still attached when all the cars drive by they don't know what they just passed no fancy sign one service time and the doors always unlocked it's the first place that I saw the hand of God you couldn't tell me there wasn't healing in those walls You couldn't tell me That angels didn't walk those halls On a Wednesday night, a Sunday morning We didn't have much, but Jesus loved it If you want to know why I am the way I am It's the church I grew up in Carpet, communion in the back. 
And none of us were perfect, but we all tried our best. The mother's prayer still in the air of the ones who walked away. And the only thing that kept us was God's grace. And you couldn't tell me that there wasn't healing in those walls. You couldn't tell me that angels didn't want those halls on a Wednesday night or Sunday morning. We didn't have much, but Jesus loved it. If you want to know why I am the way I am, it's the church I grew up thank God today for St. John's Church and Harry Smith on the corner that taught me about Jesus. I want to thank God for the church of my school that I grew up in and every sermon was preached and they preached about Jesus. I want to thank God for Glenridge Church in Durban where my spiritual father had a revelation of Exodus where God says, let my people go so that they can worship me. The call of God over his people is for freedom. 
He doesn't take you from the bondage of sin and from the bondage of selfishness and from the bondage of the world and put you into the bondage of the church. The church is not meant to bind you up with all kinds of loyalties and all kinds of structures and all kinds of things that tie you down. I thank God for the man who set me free. But I thank God that inside of these walls and down these halls are angels dancing. You know, last week we spoke about loving my neighbor more than I dislike their dogs. But you know, there was a man in Peter Maritzburg who listened to that sermon. And he has had an issue with his neighbor for 18 months. And he went and knocked on his door. And he said, there is a church in Pretoria that is preaching that I must love my neighbor more than I must love myself. And he went and had a cup of coffee. And after 18 months of war, he made peace with his neighbor. We must not come here every week and take for granted that people are being baptized and people are being set free and new songs are being learned. We prayed a very simple prayer, Holy Father or Heavenly Father Natasha, Heavenly Father Natasha, Heavenly Father Natasha. Natasha had an eight and a half brain operation. Eight and a half hours. She was meant to be in ICU for five days and in hospital for two weeks. She had the operation on Tuesday. She got released on hospital on Friday. She's back home now. Can I tell you about a little 16-year-old boy, if you can put his message up? A 16-year-old boy who, who's in Peter Maritzburg at school. Hello, Dad. So I sent you 888 rand and 88 cents. I would like you to please send that to Natasha. I just finished watching Rory's preach. Capital letters, please. <laughs> I just finished watching Rory's preach called Put Your Bourgeois on the Bry. And he spoke about Natasha, so I felt the Lord tell me I need to contribute something towards Natasha's surgery. I don't know who Natasha is or what she does, but I just feel like blessing her and whether that 88888 can pay for some of the surgery or helping the family in some way, I want to do that. I chose 8888 because she's having eight hours of surgery, so I felt I needed to contribute that amount. Thanks, from Jackson. You see, friends, I can't just stop and take, carry on. I've just got to stop and, 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 and just stop. Sometimes you've got to just stop. Jackson is, is the son of Clint and Ellen, and Ellen's from America, and they're actually from Durban, and they've got like English-American kids. But Clint feels that God called them to Pretoria. And so Ellen and him have been chatting. So their kids have been at Tegerpoort this week. Because they feel covenantally committed to Pretoria. So they're sending the English-American children to an Afrikaans school because Jesus has called them. And so you've got two little English-American girls trying to make sense and trying to make friends in Tegerpoort. And from Tegerpoort, they're going to go to Gasfontein to see which is the better school. Because Clint said, if God has called us here, then our kids have got to go to school here. And we've got to be careful that we don't take for granted the little calls that people are making. Amen? If I put these signs on the board... These, just these, these signs on the board. What company is that? Say it loudly. How do you know it's Hollard? You, you know how advertising works, hey? 
That's hollow. The next one? How would you like it? Hot, mild, chicken, and which one would you like? Which one is it, buddy? Which one? Nando's. Can I tell you what an amazing brother you have, an amazing carer you have? Amen. And how proud your brother is of you. Amen. You're an amazing brother and a friend. It's a privilege. When I look at you, I thank Jesus. I never take you for granted. The next one. Oh, what is that one? Sorry? Say it loudly. Auto in general. Auto in general. <laughs> this is <church> lacquer, eh? <laughs> Let's be honest. You bought your parents for the first time. You said, hey, you must meet our pastor. He preaches the Bible. <laughs> and the next one. Yeah, yeah. I'll yell at Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well that, that one we know, hey. Yeah, yeah. Vain. Maar ons is beter as brannevein. Let's put them all together. Hollard, Auto and General, Nando's, Spear. We're going to preach a bit. I will with a spear stick, my mate. Spear. Spear. Speed. Lacquer. Lacquer. I've got one of my mates here. He's just got married. He said to his wife, he said, if you say Y-E-S, what does that, sp- what does that mean? How do you say? She said, yes. And he said, E-Y-E-S? He said, E-Y-E-S. <laughs> oh, you'll catch it later. But he's here, my mate. He thinks it's funny. So let's have a look at Romans chapter 9. I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. So Romans 8 says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And it seems like the Jews have been separated from God. But Romans 8, 9, 10, and 11 show us that they haven't. I've great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. So Paul is a very deep man, he's theological, he's very brainy. This is an amazing piece of scripture, but he's feeling deeply in his heart because the Jews have lived with unbelievable privilege, but they've not seen Christ. And you and I have lived with unbelievable privilege, and sometimes we don't see Christ. For I could wish that I myself be cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel, Theirs, say theirs. Theirs is the adoption as sons. Theirs the divine glory. Theirs are the covenants. Theirs is the receiving of the law. Theirs is the temple worship and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs. They had Abraham and Solomon and David and all those patriarchs. The same way that Suzanne had her gran, they had the patriarchs. The same way that I've got my mum. They had the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised, amen. They had eight unbelievable privileges, and in that privilege, they never saw Christ. The privilege is not Uffies or Waterkloof or Menlo Park. The privilege is education. 
And the, the Bible says the first privilege we have is we are adopted as sons. Say adopted as sons. Hollard and Nando's and Otto and General and Speer were started by two brothers who were adopted. The Enthoven brothers were adopted by a Dutch man called Robert Enthoven. He adopted two sons, Richard and Patrick, better known as Dick Enthoven and Patrick Enthoven, who have got sons now who are the boss, the CEO of Hollard Insurance is a man that I was at school with called Adrian Enthoven and his brother is the head of Nando's called Robbie Enthoven. I was at school with them and they are adopted. Say, I am adopted. So friends, it doesn't matter what the economy looks like. If God can take a Dutch man and two boys and teach them business, business is not in the DNA, business is in God. You think, well, surely those Enthoven brothers know Richard and Robert Enthoven, the original father, he understood business and he taught it to his sons. Say, I have the privilege of sonship. And friends, then we must act like sons. And when the going gets tough, we must act like sons. I was in Cape Town recently and I met with a colored guy who's been retrenched and he's in deep trouble and he's saying, I'm saying, what are you doing? He says, well, my dad, my dad was black and he was born in Botswana. So I'm trying to naturalize him into South Africa so that my BEE points. And I said, stop, you're not a BEE son. You're not a colored son or a black son or a white son. You're a son. You have been adopted. Forget your BEE points, buddy. Get on your knees and cry out, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we have got that privilege. And the Jewish people had that privilege. It says in Exodus chapter 4, Israel, you are my firstborn son. The very first gift they got, they just denied. You have seen the glory. I mean, all of us have had glory moments. I don't know what your glory moment has been. My number, I was just trying to think, my glory moment, 24th of June, 1995. Now I know we haven't had a glory weekend. We've just lost the cricket to the Netherlands. The Sevens rugby in Hong Kong, the other rugby in Ireland. So it's not so lacking. But on the 24th of June, 1995, I was a pastor for the second week and my boss told me I need to be at church and I was at the rugby. And I remember the great Nelson Mandela walking out with a number six jersey. Only Nelson Mandela could have pulled that off. In a nation that was absolutely split and divided. Split and divided by race, by rugby, by everything. And the boss of our nation who had been in jail got out in a number six jersey wearing the captain's jersey. And as he walked onto the field, the glory of God just filled that stadium. The All Blacks were finished. And it's just, that, that is just a glorious moment by an unbelievable leader. And when your children get born, and when I walked my daughter down the aisle and I turned around and I said, who gives this woman to be married to this man? I do. And that unbelievable glory. And we've had these fleeting moments of glory. The glory came and rested. They had the glory all the time. It was like they lived in the glory and they still rejected Christ. You must take this moment that we saw today, this moment with this father and son, and you must etch it inside of your memory because the devil wants to break relationships. 
And that is a moment of glory. And the moment between the Vartaclav headmaster and Giovanni, you must etch it in your mind. And the moment when that beautiful young lady walked down the aisle and we did her wedding, you must etch it in your mind because in the walls of the church are healing and the angels are dancing down the aisles. So that we take nothing for granted. Everything's a privilege. We've got a Greek guy here in our church. He's like a big caterer guy. I tell you, friends, his wife said he will never see the inside of the church. Never. And she prayed for him, I think, for 20 years. She went away for three weeks. He was here every single week with his children. And he wrote me a letter. He said, you would never have guessed five years ago that I would come to church without my wife. You know what he wanted, wants to do? He said, you know, he's a caterer. He runs big restaurants. He said, you know what we need? The breaking of bread. We need to walk out of church and smell bread. So you know what he did? He bought the biggest dough guy who's sitting in our church today and said, will you come and see how we put a bakery into the church so when the people come out, they just smell fresh bread. They smell Christ, the bread that was broken. And so sitting here as a baker and a caterer, you do not know the miracles of what Jesus is doing. Sometimes the glory is right in front of us and we can't see it. Amen? And the covenants? And the covenants? My wife's not here today because she's left me. Just for the morning. <laughs> She'll be back to night service. <laughs> but I don't know why, but these last two weeks have been tough. And people come to me and say, it's so nice to know that you have marriage problems. Really? You don't know how difficult the woman is that I'm married to. It's impossible. She's an angel. She's taken my son back to school. Please turn your phone off, Matt. Well, don't cover her. You're an elder. You're meant to like protect her, bro. So, so, so now we're in a covenant. And, and a covenant, one of the signs of a covenant is a rainbow. And, and, and we're, not in, we're not in a contract. The contract, if you look at a contract, it's black and white. If you look at a rainbow, it's color. And, and, and we got home and, it, and it, this is how it ended up. Turn the generator off. I thought, please turn the generator off. Could you turn the generator off? Should we turn the generator off? I said, you turn the generator off. I said, I beg your pardon? I can't hear you. Turn the flipping generator off. I said, don't bring your work home, bro. Because the flipping generator is making so much noise and my hearing's not so good, we have a kaboom that lasts for two days. And I think, flip it, we're in a covenant. We're in a covenant. So I said, babe, what's the problem? She said, your problem, China, is you're bringing all that stuff you do during the day, you're bringing it home. Those guys with porno problems and adultery and people who have gone bankrupt and you're bringing it home and I'm just asking, please turn the generator off and you like bang. And I had to take a step back and say, hang on, guys. I'm in a covenant. I'm in a covenant. 
And they were in a covenant, and, and God is more committed to that covenant than they were, and still they did not see Jesus. And so I've had to really just take a, a step. I said, my babe, I am so sorry. I don't know how I got here, but in the midst of all this privilege, I've forgotten covenant. And so I just want to take a step back and say I'm sorry. Because we got to the stage, you know, friends, there, there's, a, there's an icicle that builds down the middle of a double bed sometimes. It is, you can't, it, it's like climbing Everest. You can't go over it, you can't go under it, you can't go through it, so you just like park off for the night like that. And then you wake up in the morning with like freeze down the side. They had the adoption of sons, they had the covenants, they had the glory, they had the promise. They had the promise. Isaiah, Joel. They had the receiving of the law. The receiving of the law. They had it. The law's not bad. They received the law. Much of, of the law around the world comes from the law of God. They received the law. You know how I received the law? Love your neighbor as yourself. The moment that I loved them more than I didn't dislike their dogs, something happened. They received the law. These are the promises. This is the temple worship. You know, temple worship, when you walked into the temple, the first thing that was there was a bronze laver. And it, and it had four sides, and it was in the dirt. In the tabernacle, it was in the dirt, it was filled with water, and you'd wash yourself. You know what the bronze laver was made of? It was made from women's mirrors. So you bring your mirror that you look into every day and you think, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm not good enough, he rejected me, I wish my nose was smaller, my ears were bigger, my lips were more prominent. And they bought their mirrors and they melted them down. They melted them down. And they made a laver that was filled with water. And before you could go into the presence of God, you had to melt down your image and be washed with the image of God. They had that. And still they rejected Christ. Don't come into church and say, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm useless. I'd... No, you are beautiful. You are beautiful. I thank God for my dad. I thank God even for my grandpa who walked the streets of Pretoria and healed people with his hands. Don Martin. And some of you were married by my grandpa. Married by my grandfather 51 years ago, 52 years ago, 53 years ago, 54. 
54 years ago, married by my grandfather. Married by my, four, over 50 years of, of marriage. When I got ordained as an elder in 1992, my granny, Lorna Martin, wrote me a letter. My granny who prayed for me. I've got so many cousins who serve Jesus because in my genealogy are godly people. And if you've got none, then today you start so that your children will be able to see Jesus. And my granny gave me my grandpa's Bible. She said, son, I'm so proud of you. I've thought about you and I don't know what gift to give you. But I thought grandpa's Bible would be an amazing thing for you to have on your ordination. God bless you, son. Preach the word of God. I did her husband's funeral with exactly the same Bible that my grandpa did her wedding with. And I've got to say, in the healing, in the church is the healing of Christ and dancing down the aisles are the angels of God. Friends, in this room, we are the most privileged people. We are educated, many of us. We've got houses, we've got cars. I gave my car away, one of my friends gave me his, I drive it every day. Even driving here today, I said, hey bro, thank you. Thank you. Instead of finding the fault of your life, instead of finding what is deficient, just see where Jesus was active. Just see where he was active. Ours is the adoption. Ours is the covenant. Ours is the promise. Ours is the patriarchs. Ours is the law. Ours is the blessing. Ours is the glory. Ours. But you must see Jesus. I pray this prayer over you and we are finished in Ephesians. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, kind Father, the gracious Father, the generous Father, the good Father, the one and only Father, the amazing Father, the compassionate Father, the loving and strong Father, the infinitely wealthy Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. Don't pray that you'll get a promotion. Don't pray. I just pray that you'll know God better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints a father and a son made up and got baptized in our church today a boy who's part of our community gave 888 rand and 88 cents to a lady who actually doesn't need the money but she just needed to know that there's a boy who cares for her from this little church in Pretoria, somebody in Peter Maritzburg may write with their neighbor and is incomparably great powerful as they believe. Friends, we are not at the mercy of the ANC or the mercy of the gold price or the mercy of the exchange rate or the mercy of the economics. We are at the mercy of God. We do not presume to come to this to a table, merciful Lord, but trusting in our own righteousness. You're not a colored son. Or a black son or a white son, you're a son. Use your privilege. In Jesus' name, amen.